1: It is Malcolm at eight. Welcome into the voice of a nation, my fellow Americans, and all of our friends around the world here. You see, just recently now, and I'm sure you uh, surely are aware, the Supreme Court uh, ruling on affirmative action was was a big deal, really big deal, it was a huge case. It has wide-reaching ramifications for our country. It, it has ramifications for education. Uh, but also going further than that the workplace environment and it has ramifications for really everything we're talking about at the water cooler you know the thing about diversity i've never understood the 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 thing i never understood about affirmative action rather is that you know they create a program which spotlights color and race uh and the color of skin you know the pigment color of your skin and that's the basis of the program which, I mean, this is even as a young guy, I just never really understood this, I, truthfully. And yet, that is the basis that they're using this. They call it diversity and equity. And of course, like everything, inclusion, this, these uh, programs. Yet, the programs they put forward with the affirmative action all did exactly the opposite of what I always thought in my mind. Like, like, okay, so if it didn't matter, so like, it's not supposed to matter? Like, we're supposed to be colorblind, I hope, right? Like... Right. Diversity is a beautiful thing. And yet they use it to divide people. It's just was really weird to me as a young guy. I remember like tripping on that thinking, wow. So listen, affirmative action programs to me do great harm to real diversity. Let me just put that out there right now. I mean, if you if you need a road map to figure this out, then you're a fool, basically. And you're probably on the far left of the political spectrum as well, sadly, Um, Diversity should really be about inclusivity for every race, not judged because of the pigment color of your skin is ridiculous on on the face of it. And this is through all aspects of it. And that's my opinion right there. Um, So Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, he had always been a pretty longtime critic of affirmative action programs. And he wrote the decision for the court majority saying that the nation's colleges and universities must use colorblind criteria in admissions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man. I'll tell you what, I just was uh, applauded of that because if we're ever going to get up over this nonsense and, and, you know, smack people upside the head with the truth of uh, this is what it's going to take right here. These kinds of decisions, And to put it in front of the American people to wake up. Uh, So this is a fascinating case. We're going to go further with that right now and talk more about diversity, a lot to talk about and on this subject we're going to start the broadcast off here with a a terrific person, a dear friend uh, and uh, Dr. Carol Swain joins us on the broadcast here. Uh, Dr. Swain is an award-winning political scientist and a former tenured professor at Princeton and Vanderbilt Universities herself. She's got great books. She's always been a prolific author. More than that, she's a thinker, a big thinker, and one our nation uh, desperately needs. She's got a new book out on this topic I'll be telling you about in a little bit. Really good stuff, and I love the title of it. It's The Adversity of Diversity. Boy, that sums it up right there. Dr. Carol Swain, welcome to The Voice of a Nation.
2: It is a pleasure to be back.
1: It is indeed. It's been a little while here. So, all right, so this, you know, you just shared something with me coming on to the broadcast that I just let me put this right out there because it's a very interesting place to start. Now, this ruling was huge and it overruled the 2003 decision in Gr- Grutter versus Bollinger. Um, and that uh, was with University of Michigan's law back then. Of course, you had a book in process that you were writing already uh, when this was happening, and then you sort of if the decision wasn't final, and you were still working on the book. And it, but you were mentioning to me; you sort of predicted or knew this was going to happen, and you were already down that road. And had this decision gone differently, you'd have had to restart about the whole process. I mean, that's visionary. How could you
2: have really well, maybe, known? I have grappled with CRT, critical race theory and diversity, equity and inclusion for a number of years now. And uh, 2021, I published Black Eye for America, how critical race theory is burning down the house. And I knew that the DEI CRT programs violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and the 1964 Civil Rights uh, Act that, that became a law, and many other civil rights laws across the country. And when DEI and CRT became so aggressive that you had bullying and shaming of white people uh, to, the de- to the degree it reached, and also school children, and everyone was being impacted in such a discriminatory way if you were white or if you were Asian, if you were heterosexual, male, Christian, all of these things violate uh, the the civil rights laws but also the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. I know this, I've known this, I've said this. And at one point Malcolm, a couple of years ago when I uh, made the argument that uh, CRT violated the Civil Rights Act, I noticed that when I talked about it, I talked about the Equal Protection Clause that no one else was saying anything. I'm not a constitutional law professor. So I started questioning myself. And then later I saw more people making that argument. But I started writing this book in earnest maybe about three months ago. I had a co-author. And the reason I use the co-author, it's a man named Michael Toll. We worked together before. He knows all aspects of publishing because we self-published the book. And the goal was to have that book ready so that when the Supreme Court ruled, if they ruled the way that I anticipated they had to rule, which was to strike it down, we would be out with a new book in two weeks. That was the plan. And the book was written from the perspective that DEI, uh, that Uh, affirmative action, race-based affirmative action had to go because it violated the Constitution, it violated civil rights laws, and that if the court ruled against it, that meant that every DEI CRT program in the country will be impacted at some point. There's an expiration date on DEI. So that's uh, the backstory. Had the court ruled differently, the book would have required a substantial rewrite right
1: you know that dei we often refer to it as d-i-e die uh, because it is so much that way these these diversity equity uh inclusion um program scams concepts that the marxist left put out there to divide the people as i suggest all right so you were visionary on this it's uh, i believe And the fact that you felt this, it was a huge case. I mean, you obviously felt that these new constitutional justices would look at what the Constitution is supposed to be rather than interpret it by and not follow the rule of the law, but use their ideology, which is what a lot of justices do, uh, Carol. They use their ideology to decipher through the Constitution. You're speaking about the 14th Amendment on, on this deal, which and then... How did we get it so wrong back in 03, I guess, uh, with that case, with uh, the the one uh, Grutter versus uh, Bollinger? Why did it get so wrong back then?
2: Well, back then, they made an exception. And Justice Sandra Day O'Connor said that in 25 years, she thought that we would not have a need for race-based affirmative action. And I believe it's been about 28 years or something like that but the court knew at that time what they should have done, they made an exception. And so the court, the thing about race-based affirmative action, violations of the Equal Protection Clause, that has been going on for decades. What's different now is that white people have been under such attack because DEI is not the same diversity. And no, I know, Malcolm, you have a background in corporate America, Uh, And I I can say for myself that I started my education in the 1970s. What was happening back then in the early days of affirmative action was non-discrimination, equal opportunity, outreach and recruitment. And there was a focus on compliance with the law around the time that affirmative action became more aggressive, and some of this goes back to executive orders such as those issued by Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon, because it was Richard Nixon that uh, instituted the Philadelphia Plan and brought quotas into the situation. Uh, By then, already affirmative action had started moving in the wrong direction. But I can say that when I got my education, I benefited from being the right person at the right time, when organizations were looking for talented, um, uh, talented minorities, they were opening up doors. You got in the door, but you had to prove yourself. And many people failed along the way. And I had an equal opportunity to succeed or to fail. I had equal opportunity and non-discrimination. I did not have equity. Equity means equal outcomes. The diversity that they're pushing for today is not individual diversity and integration and looking for people, bringing them into the system. They want people to represent groups. They don't want people to integrate into those environments. Their inclusion means group affinity. And that's why in so so many parts of corporate America, they set up the affinity groups those affinity groups uh, end up being gripe sessions where people get together, they complain, they gripe, and if they didn't have grievances before against their employers, they had them soon after the affinity group gets set up.
1: You, If you remember, I told you five, six years ago, you were going to be the voice in this field. I told you that privately. You remember that?
2: I you've told me a lot of things to encourage me, but I can tell you that I've always had a passion about this. Amen. Yeah. And I have witnessed discrimination yeah. between and among racial and ethnic exactly. uh, minorities. I have been on university admissions committees where they chose the least qualified black person in a competition between two yeah. blacks. Yeah. Uh, they chose the one that had the best pedigree. And I remember one case in particular where this um, student that had higher scores, higher grades, her parents were blue collar people that this person did not get admitted and the school was Princeton, but someone else with lower scores got uh, admitted, but they came from a different pedigree. They had the right uh, professional parents. They were more similar to other Princeton students. And if you look at institutions almost all of the elite schools, they bring in racial and ethnic minorities, but when it comes to blacks, you don't find the black uh, descendants of slaves there in the same numbers as you find immigrant offspring from West Africa or from the Caribbean. And so when they're lowering scores, they're actually lowering scores for minorities that for the most part are more elite in background. They may not have high scores, but they are, have backgrounds that are more similar to the other students at the institution.
1: Okay, uh, no, I get it. Um, I want to ask you about uh, there's, you know, I when I mentioned early on, always looking at what what's the other side of that conversation. In this particular ruling, I want to discuss there's the dissent on this. Uh, uh, Justice uh, uh, Sotomayor uh, d- d- dissented from the majority's opinion and, and was joined by Kagan and Jackson. And let me read you this here the, the from them. This is interesting to me, and I'd like you to opine on this. They say the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment enshrines a guarantee of racial equality. The court long ago concluded that this guarantee can be enforced through race conscious means in a society that is not and has never been colorblind, they say, the justices say. In Brown versus Board of Education, the court recognized the constitutional necessity of racially integrated schools in light of the harm inflicted by segregation and the importance of education to our democratic society. So talk about this. You know, I find this fascinating, the dissent on this and when they say, well, society was always thinking that way. So we need what I'm guessing what I'm getting out of that, Carol, I'm that they're doubling down and reversing the psychology and saying, "Okay, you know, because society is this way, we're going to double down and give a break to this particular part of the population which i guess was what the whole affirmative action thing which really discriminated against if you were in the same group or you were asian or white it would be a discrimination part against you but they felt because of the colorblind in society we're going to give it to them is that is that what you see with the dissent on well, this is that what they're saying the
2: problem, part of the problem with the dissent is that it just threw in a hodgepodge Of disparities. And some of the data, such as on infant mortality, was totally inaccurate to make the case that racial and ethnic minorities or Blacks suffered from uh, the conditions that were worse than white people. And that had to be because of racism. And that's been problematic from the very beginning because it takes out the role of culture, you know, and family structure and choices that people make. And so the dissent has been criticized widely for just being inaccurate on the facts and what they believe the supporters of affirmative action, race based many of them genuinely believe. And I saw this when I was in academia, that racial and ethnic minorities are genetically inferior to white people. They cannot meet the the same standards. And if you hold everyone to, equal standards you will have lily white institutions that is such a lie from the pit of hell uh and it's been disproven uh just by history
1: well, well uh, hold on let me interject it, it's it's disproven by you you're a case study of what you just well, no, but i'm i'm speaking <laughs> of you on this call right now you're a case study on what you just said
2: but there's so many people coming out of out of slavery and if we want to go back to yeah. The turn of the century, the progressives like to talk a lot about Black Wall Street, this prosperous Black community that was burnt down by white people and all of these terrible things. But that community was established less than 60 years after slavery ended. The Blacks that built that prosperous community did not have government set-asides or affirmative action or any of that. Uh, they did that on their own. They may have had white uh, business partners, but for the most part, black people did that on their own. Look at Tuskegee uh, University. Look at the fact that I would argue that Harvard University never discriminated against blacks. Their first uh, black student entered in 1869. And in 1930, they uh, graduated W.E.B. Du Bois. And so they have um, always admitted qualified blacks. If you go to the colleges and universities in New England, they have black alumni because they never discriminated against blacks. The civil rights movement was about ending discrimination on the basis of race. It was never about preferential treatment you because you belonged to a particular group. And I can tell you that the quotas and the preferential treatment, all of that came from white elites, mostly white male elites In both Mm -hmm. political parties, Mm -hmm. they are the ones that turned affirmative action into what it is today. Mm. And one of the reasons I knew that the race-based affirmative action had to end and the court had to act is that it had gotten to the point that it was absurd, the terrible things that were happening to people, and had they not moved to strike it down, it would have been even worse, because that would have been a green light to keep doing what you're doing, in fact, do more of it. And so the court had to act, and I believe that they would make the right decision. But at the same time, watching this so-called conservative majority court rule uh, rule in ways that I didn't expect, because sometimes they will rule in a progressive direction that doesn't seem to follow the constitution, I still was on pins and needles until they issued their yeah. decision, but the book had been written in anticipation that they would do the right thing. And I'm yeah. so glad that they did. Oh,
1: that's for sure. Psychologically. Uh, don't you think these kinds of programs uh, like the affirmative action and uh, DEI and all of these kind I mean, haven't they psychologically done damage to black Americans?
2: They've done damage in so many different ways, because I think about myself, and I do have a chapter on my experiences with affirmative action. It's like chapter two. Right. And and I wrote my first undergraduate paper in 1983 at Cornell College. I got an A-plus on it. And in that paper, I criticized affirmative action for various reasons. And I quote from that paper. And at the time, I was a Democrat. You know, I was young, but I could see the problems with it even then. And what I have found over the years is that I've won national prizes. I've been cited by the U.S. Supreme Court. I've gotten early tenure at Princeton, full professorship at Vanderbilt. It does not matter. Because of affirmative action, people, whether they're Black or white or Asian, they discount the accomplishments of racial and ethnic minorities, and they say that your accomplishments were because of affirmative action. And even now, I get attacked by people who say, you use affirmative action to get where you are, and now you're trying to remove it from everyone else.
1: Wow! Oh, wow! That's been said, and 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 uh, right to you, and you've you've answered it back though. You've answered it back with your uh, results beyond the campuses, beyond the universities, Carolyn. This these particular rulings. You're also suggested in the book that this is going to have wide-reaching ramifications within the business community, government agencies, this sort of thing. Explain that more, please.
2: Well, for one thing, the corporate America, not the corporate America, but corporate America seems to have lost their minds. <laughs> and part of this has to do with ESG uh and the this global governance. That the World Economic Forum, you know, has pushed and other globalists have pushed. And corporations get graded. Just like with, with China's uh what is called social credit system, mm-hmm. the more diversity they can document, the higher score they get. It helps them with uh loans and just all sorts of things that they do. And so corporations have been vying to get a high social credit score so that they um you know, it, it makes them look good on paper, but the crazy things that they do, such as Dylan Mulvaney and, and Bud Light, yeah. results in billions, if not millions, if not billions of dollars of, of lost revenue and, and potential profits that hurts the shareholders. And there's some lawsuits about that now. So the social engineering that's being pushed by the left actually hurts corporations Instead of them focusing on what's good for the shareholders, they're trying to remake society. So that's something that um, ESG is covered in the book. And the, um, the the corporations, they want an off-ramp. And many of them are laying off DEI, CRT workers first. Yeah. One reason they're laying them off is that they know in their heart that these people don't bring value They bring a lot of conflict and many of them were hired right after George Floyd's death. The progressives used George Floyd's death Mm. as a way to push through things that would never have happened before. And what happened after George Floyd's death is that they pushed through such aggressive power grabs that corporations and organizations, they have to push back. And it has resulted in white people standing up, and, and demanding their own rights. They have realized now that they have civil rights, they're protected by the constitution. So white people are filing lawsuits, they're winning those lawsuits and organizations and corporations are taking notice.
1: Uh, brilliantly said, um, really. Um the um the damage has been widespread you t- you mentioned bud but light the 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 bud people there uh, Mulvaney the transgender on the can what a stupid idea to do that and send that into uh, you know uh, 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 bars and lounges and stuff and give it to men at the bar with the transgender on the can was really the dumbest idea. But uh, Bud Light, you're right. It's gone from the number one beer in the country and it has gone right through the floor now. And they'll never get that market share back. People have written it all for good. The damage was serious. Uh, Disney as well, with their fight with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida, What was they went through a whole lot of stuff with their woke agenda, all the things they're doing. So you would think corporate America is finally getting it. I did see reports that, as you just said, Some of these uh, diversity people were being let go and fired. And that's an interesting point about using the Floyd thing uh, to, you know, do this thing. Well, they say never let a crisis go to waste, right? It's what the Marxist left always say, Carol,
2: you know. My book has a chapter on George Floyd's death and how that was used to push through um, these aggressive forms of, of, of DEI and CRT that really violate people's rights and are very harmful. Yeah. And so it's a chapter on corporate world and the conundrum that they have found themselves in. Right, right. And we also so, look at other areas where uh, groups have been harmed, individuals have been harmed, all because of this social engineering that the left has pushed down on the rest of society and people don't want it, corporations don't want it. And part of what I do in my book, I conclude with there is a better way And I talk about my company, Unity Training Solutions, that I birthed in 2020 during the time that we were having riots around George Floyd's death. It was like one of those things. I was awakened in the middle of the night and uh, and it was just like what I heard in my spirit was unity, unity training. And so I popped up first thing in the morning, tried to buy the domain name. It was gone. I selected Unity Training Solutions. And the purpose is to provide an alternative to divisive divisive race-based training programs. And there's nothing wrong with diversity. There is nothing wrong with people knowing the civil rights laws of our nation. In fact, it's essential for organizations and corporations to know the civil rights laws of the nation. But beyond that, what you need is healthy teams. You need people that go to the workplace and they know that they're there to advance the mission and goals of the organization. Whatever the vision was of the founder of that organization, of the organization itself, its mission statement, that's why why they're there. And so then we go back to the traditional research on how to build healthy teams. Uh, Stephen Covey, as well as... Um, uh, uh, Patrick is Lencione. How do you Lencioni, it? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. he's great. He's great. Yeah, he's a, they're among the people that have written books about uh, healthy teams. Yeah, go back to the basics, go back to mm. recruitment, go yeah. back to non discrimination, go back to compliance with the law, and just focus on promoting the best qualified people. There's nothing wrong to go in wrong with going to college and university fairs and recruiting talented people, yeah. talented people of all races and ethnicities. There's a lot wrong with just grabbing people because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation yeah. or their... Uh, uh, yeah, well, gender, know, is, the they, gender, is, yeah. the gender is the same
1: thing. Gender is the same conversation. Gender
2: is the And what's taking place, too, is discrimination against men. That, too, runs counter to the Equal Protection Clause and civil rights laws. And so, really, I think corporations need an off ramp. They should take the off ramp. They should go back to non discrimination. They should go back to equal opportunity. They should go back to outreach and recruitment. And they should go back to compliance with the law. If they do that, they're gonna they're going to be in a better situation. And with my company, Unity Training Solutions, like I've done, you we've done some trainings with thought a lot. We have uh, worked on our program. It's evolved to the point that we feel strongly that we have to focus on training business owners and our CEOs, top management people, because they're the only ones that can change the culture of an organization. And I believe that part of changing the culture of the organization is first, you don't force people to attend sensitivity training or mm. diversity training. People should never be forced to do that when they are hired to do a particular job. They do need to know uh, about discrimination laws that should be handled. Mostly it's not going to be handled by H.R. because all of the H.R. people are woke for the most part and uh, they live in terror. So it's not going to come from H.R. It has to come from the CEO at the top. That person can set the tone uh, for the culture. And I think they need to get away from celebrating anyone's special day other than the major holidays. There should not be this barrage of emails uh, about certain groups or having all these celebrations of certain groups and the affinity groups that has no place in the workplace. You go to work to work. You go to work to work. You don't go there to take and share your political views.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is so well said. There were, you know, myself, um, Carol, as a CEO for many years it, before the network and all of that in my life. I grew up in the corporate boardrooms. Um, you know, you you really just want the best people in the in those positions. You want your executive team. And that was always the case. And that's what we always looked at. I mean, whatever, whether it was a man or woman, um, it was black, white, Asian, you just wanted the best people in the best roles. They had the best qualifications. That's all we ever looked at. And we hired accordingly and had a terrific grant, which by the way, back in those days happened to be diverse because they were the best people. (laughs) You know, we had more women in executive positions and we had other people in key positions that were of different uh, ethnicities because they were the best people. They were the best qualified people. That's what any CEO or any executive team would want clearly. All right. So in a final word here, Carol, um, with, with what's ahead now, with this ruling now and the way you've laid it out perfectly, uh, is this, is well, it's a tough one, but is the worst behind us as a nation now? Do we, do we get on with it? Because I've never known the left to stop. They're like a dog with a bone. They'll keep coming and coming and coming and coming. What do you expect
2: next? Well, first of all, the Biden administration has already issued guidance to colleges and universities on how they can evade the Supreme Court ruling. <laughs> Unbelievable. And so you can be sure that the left will fight tooth and nail to keep what they feel like they have. And what they have is something that is discriminatory, violates the constitution, violates the law. They're gonna continue to push in that direction. I believe it will take a Supreme Court decision. And I also believe that many white Americans, many white males, Christians will file and win successful lawsuits that will get the notice of, of organizations and that it's going to die, but it's going to die slowly. And what I would encourage people to do is document the discrimination. And the most important thing that you need to know is that our constitution and our laws protect all persons against discrimination. And for the longest time, white people tolerated a a little bit of the discrimination. They didn't like it. They talked about reverse discrimination. Well, that day is over. Uh, White people who are becoming a minority in this country and and in some parts of the country, they are already a minority. Mm -hmm. More white people are standing up for their rights as they should. And I think that in the end, we will have Mm -hmm. a better society. And I also believe that our institutions will not be lily white because minorities can meet any standard that's put before them. Unfortunately, what has been put before them is a system that has lowered standards and so if standards are low a lot of people human nature is you shoot for the standard you know to get where you want to go if it's low standards you know you are gonna shoot low yeah. if you have high standards for everyone everyone's gonna aim Amen. higher yeah. and racial and ethnic minorities can meet the same standards as everyone else. there should not be any quotas there should be a system that operates with and under non-discrimination
1: yeah, I totally agree. The Adversity of Diversity, the book, Carol, I know we've got it in the bookstore and all. Now, it was just released yesterday. It's available. It's brand new, hot off the presses, in fact. Where do you want people to go get it? And right now, uh, we well, let me just tell us, right now, this opportunity where the book is just out there. I mean, looking at all of uh, Dr. Carol Swain's work and her books, as you hear, I mean, it's definitely going to be a must-get but you also, we want to get you on the bestseller list. So where where do people get the book over the next week or so? What happens? I
2: would encourage people for the next seven days, purchase the book from an independent bookstore in your area. If there's a bookstore down the street, they can order the book for you. Uh, Barnes and Noble, they're selling the book. And if you go in there, they don't have it on the shelves, order a copy or two, and also ask them to stock the book. Because if a certain number of sales are made from all across the country during this week, then the book could make the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, yeah.
1: What's interesting that um, Dr. Sweeney was sharing with me earlier, the Amazon doesn't is not included in the bestseller list, which blew my mind. Uh, I knew it was uh, crazy the way they did that, but I didn't realize that, uh, Carol. You know, that was pretty crazy.
2: And um, Christian bookstores are not included and church sales are not included. There are lots of things that are not included, they have it set up, uh, it's secret knowledge that I was able to tap into because some insiders gave me this information. So, you know, we can wow. beat them at their own game, right. independent bookstores from across the country, order your book from them.
1: All right. All right. So we have the book is on the site. And uh, but but again, you've got to determine how you get it is, is going to be the key. Um, Dr. Carol Swain, you are just, you're just a great voice for this country. And this is a, um, a topic that's not going to go away. And I'm loving to see you doing this. Uh, by the way, this real unity training solutions is, uh, this new, um, this uh, uh, organization you create this company that you're helping others so I, I wish you lots of luck with that that's fascinating by the way alan Dershowitz wrote the foreword on this book as well by the way and uh, it's got some great uh, reviews on it and people are already talking about it so dr carol swain will will help push the book the adversity of diversity well, thanks for joining us on the voice of a nation thank you Okay, my fellow Americans, so it is indeed now uh, AmericaOutloud.news is the site that uh, you're going to get all your information from, and uh, as you know already, and uh, so help us share the truth. Uh, there's so much going on in the platform network and uh, so many great uh, uh, stories we on, so help us push that out here and get the out loud truth. it's the rise of independent media, I always tell you, and it's right here at AmericaOutloud.news. We're going to take a quick pause, my fellow Americans, and join you just on the other side of the voice of a nation.
0: The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Loud.com.
2: Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural, drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com.
1: With the rise of independent media, we are now America AmericaOutloud.news. Well, the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we, the people. AmericaOutloud.News, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation, Uh, Malcolm at 8, we call it, because it's 8 p.m. Eastern Time, weekdays, Monday through Friday, friends. Uh, Help us get the out loud truth out across our great nation and around the world. Uh, Our program and all of the great programs at America Out Loud Talk Radio. There's lots of ways to listen. The Listen Live button back at the network is a world-class media player. You can hear from anywhere in the world. iHeart Radio Network uh, on, you, you, or you can get the iHeart app uh, with that network, and you'll hear America Out Loud Talk Radio on that. There's a lot of other networks as well. We're on like FM radio, like um, uh, the uh, Tune In, and there's a whole host of them actually that uh, you can actually hear the broadcast on. All the shows go to podcast, as all of our shows on the network do. And they are all back and available at americaoutloud.news in the news feed, along with all the articles and columns, or, uh, of course, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, hundreds and hundreds of networks you can reach the uh, broadcast on. Okay, Don't forget to check out americaoutloud.shop, by the way, and see all of the great products in there. I've been telling you about and telling you about and the wellness company is doing an amazing job with the spike support. I got to mention that to you because it's helping people that have uh, long COVID. A lot of people got struggling with long COVID and a lot of friends sadly have to, you know, they decide to take the vaccine for different reasons. And, and they have repercussions from that. The idea is to get that spike protein out of your body to flush it out of there. Uh, this uh, spike support is wonderful, it's got natokinase in there, which is actually was developed out of Japan. A lot of success with that is that dandelion root and there's a whole host of wonderful ingredients in that product that'll help you there. You get 25% off of that. Uh, use code out loud uh, they also have one wellness with all your virtual care and doctors uh, visits that are included with that I encourage you to research this and do your own research and check it out and see what's because healthcare is expensive it's darn well expensive but check it out and you can do that go to americaoutloud.shop you'll see all kinds of great products here that have all been vetted through our organization and um, so we, we suggest you take a look at this but always do your own research here Okay, we're talking about the um, d- the diversity deal and the affirmative action today, and you've been you heard Dr. Carol Schwain up in front of the broadcast, and really the social reengineering of America is what's been going on with the CRT, the woke, uh, the, the DEI or DIE as we uh, call it, huh? Uh, and now you see the Supreme Court ruling on this big, big case. A Bayes uh, constitutional expert, Paul Engel, to join us here from the network. Of course, he uh, is on the Constitution Study. There is nobody uh, that is a harder working uh, dude than this guy right here. Uh, he is all over it with the uh, Constitution. Uh, the Constitution Study plays 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio for sure. It's a must listen. If you want to be educated on the basis of what our nation's about, And this, the what the founding fathers did with this document and that made America America. That and that really is the deciding point. I always tell you the difference between America and everything else and everybody else out there, all these other countries, you know what the difference is? It's called We the People. That's the difference. And uh, we the people is uh, that's the difference between this country and every other country. We just need to stop proving that more and push back on the uh, Marxist left that this takeover they're trying. Uh, Paul, we're talking here about uh, this, uh, and you've got a wonderful op-ed I want to point out to people that just went up in the last day or so. I encourage you to read this. It's marvelous. Uh, it really gives you a good basis on both sides of the conversation. It's called Affirmative Action, The Pernicious Legacy of Racism. All right, let's get right to the uh, case of this. the the That case back in 03. Uh, that I was talking about with Carol, uh, uh, Grutter versus Bollinger. A lot of people felt they got it wrong by making race all about race and making it what it was, which to me never made any sense. And there's counter arguments on this, which you point out in your piece. Give us the basis on how big of a decision was this? And by the way, Dr. Swain suggests this isn't really just about university and colleges. This is going to impact the business community. It's going to impact government agencies. It's going to impact everything. But at the same time, the government's not swallowing this pill. They're coming out and telling people how to cheat back and go against the Supreme Court as well. She was telling us pretty wild. Uh, what do you say to that?
3: Well, I think in many ways, she's, she's quite correct. The, uh, you know, the 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 people who like to tell other people how to live their lives don't like being told no. and you know they 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 never accept an uh uh they never accept the negative, so they try to find a way around it. It's how we ended up with things like Gruder. you know the if you think about it, you go all the way back to reconstruction and the the attempt to uh see the the evils the 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 pain that was done, how do we? restore that how do we make things better and of course the easy way is well um throw money at it throw opportunity at it simply you know simply throw something at it so that i don't i don't want to have to do the the hard work i just want a a quick and easy painless way to do this and a friend of action was one of those it it looked at the uh at the consequence of Jim Crow and, and, and the other racist policies at at, uh, at at slavery, and said, "You know what? Let's put a bandaid on the problem and not actually deal with the underlying situation." It's it's like somebody who says who wakes up um, uh, every morning feeling bad, takes a little pill so they can get up and get their work done, and never deals with the fact that they are sick. And let's deal with the with the actual sickness, not the uh, underlying problem.
1: Well, the screwy thing about all of this, and I say I, I questioned and discussed this as a young man, I never really understood it. Paul, to be uh, frank with you, is that okay? So let me get this straight now. So here's what this whole affirmative action thing, and I was a CEO for many many years in the business side of things. I understand it, and uh, but you know uh, w- what it is is okay. So. We're going to tell you who you can hire, who you can't hire based on the affirmative action. But you've got to judge this. You've got to have an equality is their idea to make sure you have everything in the color and box. So whether this person is qualified enough for the job, you've got to give them the advantage uh, because they happen to be this particular color or ethnic ethnicity. And so so we're going to give that to you. You, you know, that's forcing corporate America to do certain things. So many times we've seen these people were not qualified, whatever color they were, whatever background they were. But how did that ever solve the the, the race concern if this was being pushed on to people based on no other metric other than, well, the pigment color of your skin is how we're going to judge whether you get the job or not. The whole thing is asinine on its face, is it not?
3: It is. It's the idea that it never solves racism. It perpetuates racism.
1: One hundred
3: percent. How did Roberts put it in in the opinion? Uh, the only way to get rid of racism is to stop being racist. <laughs> you know, if you I want, love it. You love can't that. be racist, and and you know you go. You talked about yeah. you know Grutter, and you know Gruder's primary uh, point was that uh, not only is diverse is diversity good but that the government has a compelling interest in making sure a student body is diverse. The problem is they pick diversity of one immutable characteristic, the color of a person's skin. They did not look at their at, at, at their ideas, at their uh, predilections. They simply said, like you said, having the crayler, the crayler, uh, crayon box right. was all that mattered. But you know what? They simply said it was it was a in effect a, a good and that the state had a compelling interest in using that, but they never actually said why. And that to me is is the uh, is the second order of thinking. Simply saying, you know, let's face it: Do I want someone denied an opportunity because of the color of their skin? No. But that means I that means I don't want a person denied an opportunity because of the color of their skin which is exactly what affirmative action does. We never yeah. think of that second step. And if you think about it, uh, now, granted, I'm I'm a white man, right out front. I was born and raised in New, York, in New York City, lived there many years. And in my neighborhood, I was the minority. My neighborhood was 49% black, 49% Puerto Rican. Uh, and but you know what? Kids in the playground, we didn't care.
1: Right.
3: We didn't care about the color of your skin, the color of your hair. We may pick on you for some of your clothes, but that was it. And we've been taught in many ways that race has become so important that uh nothing else matters, which right. really tells people, you think about it, imagine spending your entire life being told you don't stand a chance because of the the the, the genetic lottery <laughs> that you were you were born with a certain color of skin. Just imagine what that does to a person every time something. Every time they don't succeed, they can simply throw up. Their, oh, it's because I'm black. It doesn't matter anymore. And then you think of the other side of it and say, you know, everybody who who works hard and tries hard and and does the right thing, but doesn't get the job, not because they weren't the best qualified, but because they were the wrong color of their skin. It literally destroys the the spirit of um, of, of the nation. And yeah.
1: Well, it, it, I, I, know, it, had they measured this on brain cells, uh, you know, brain cells, I'd have gone along with that sort of diversity. Uh, you, you know, Paul, you know, um, your IQ, how smart are you to do the job? I guess as a CEO, that's what I care about, buddy, you know, uh, b- pretty much. Well, but, and uh,
3: even then it's a question of, it's a question of what is IQ measuring? IQ measures the ability to, uh to, uh, follow certain what we would normally call book learning and, uh, and apply it. There's yeah. a lot of things that don't show up on an IQ test that can be very important. Oh to, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it, it, as in yeah, yeah,
1: no question. No question. I'm just using that as a metaphor. Uh, it could be about anything you want it to be. You just want to hire the best person for the job. And there are many factors that go into that. We used to do the Myers-Briggs test back then and check out who their personality was. Did that fit and other factors that made sense uh, to, uh, the hiring decision. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Suede had mentioned toward the end of the program and I just realized, as you pointed out, you're a white male. Okay. Super cool. And I happen to be a white male. Okay. And she just pointed out we're probably going to need a diversity program for white males soon. Uh, because uh, the way that's been sucker punch in society, but I, I just think it needs to be a level playing field for everybody, no matter what your gender okay. is, no and- matter what your ethnicity is, you know? Right. There's,
3: there's one other pernicious aspect of this, and that right. is it 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 literally dehumanizes us because you are not you. You are a white man. Yeah. So what you do doesn't matter. You're judged by the group they put you into. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It simply dehumanizes. Us. Yeah,
1: it does dehumanize. There is a psychological I mentioned that to Dr. Swain in a different way about the psychological damage these programs do to people. I did I did exactly say that because I do think it does and I think in many ways it held black America back from all the possibilities and the richness uh, of their abilities and who they are uh, so it's it's silly on its face. Um, now uh, the in the majority of opinion, um, Roberts uh, you know and it wrote the opinion there but many youth, universities have for too long concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not, challenges vested, skills built or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. He said, our constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. Clarence Thomas doubled back down and said, he says he sees the university's admission policies for what they are, rudderless race-based preferences. These policies fly in the face of our colorblind constitution. Okay. Now that this has been decided, the left never stops, they keep coming at you, the Marxist left, they just, they're like, a was telling swing a dog with a bone, they just keep telling you every way they can keep doing the same criminal activities. Um, and so what sort of ramifications for this ruling do you see, Paul, in not just the university's education college system, but the business community? I'd like you to speak about that a moment, as we touched at the earlier segment with Disney, Bud Light, some of the things that happen, we're seeing the, the the firing of a lot of these diversity officers now that corporate America is saying, screw you. You know, some of them are finally smelling the smell salt and understand that it was a, it was a stacked deck. Uh, what do you say about all that? What do you think happens?
3: I'm, I'm kind of torn because on okay. the one hand, you know, it, it would be easy for corporate America to look at the opinion and say, you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe we should stop judging people by the color of their skin. However, I don't see that happening until there's some pain in their life until there's, there is some um, cost for that. It, I, I, I heard a great line. Uh, when, when one of your products becomes a catchphrase, uh, I, somebody was talking about bud lighting NASCAR because NAS, because a NASCAR team uh, fired a driver because he liked uh, a George, uh, a tweet dealing with George Floyd. Right. And then NASCAR banned him. So it's, you know, these places are changing. The Bud Lights, the Disney's, the Targets—they're changing because they felt pain. Um, are they changing? Your, hold on. Not, when you
1: say they're changing, they're changing back. You mean from this craziness in a good way? You're saying?
3: Um, uh, well, not all of them, but you think about it. You talk about the, the getting rid of of the diversity uh, departments, and and you know, we're, the only reason we're seeing those, right. in my opinion, right. is because they're looking going. Look at what happened to Bud Light. Look at what happened to Target. Look at what Amen. happened to Disney. That's right. We don't want that to happen to us. That's right. So maybe we'll back off. Well, you we hit with the see, wallet. I, I you you hit with the wallet,
1: that. Paul. That's, that's right. This is the, right. Yes. I mean, this is economics, yes. buddy. Yeah. It's uh, power of
3: the purse. And, and you know, it, it's, and, yeah. And, and that happens as, you know, granted Bud Light has become a big thing. It happens each and every day when we decide who we're going to do business with.
1: One hundred percent, and it's our damn opinion. We're the consumer. That's capitalism. You buy who you want to buy from. Uh, if somebody's insulting you, I mean, the whole idea about putting a transgender on a, on a can of beer and sending it into the bar rooms for men to be—it's ridiculous on its face. That diversity issue, uh, that officer, whoever came up with that decision, I was Bud like the cup—they'll never get those dollars back in that brand. They've gone from the number one beer in the country down through the floor. I'd man, I'd sue that diversity officer. They probably don't have anything. But uh what a horrible decision but, that was, you know, uh, to send that up the food un- chain. Understand
3: the, the the brand officer that said that. their her stated intention was to change the image of Bud Light. Well, she did. That was the. the I, yeah, she did. She succeeded, and Anheuser Bush is paying for it. And, you know, we're starting to see people sue, saying, wait a second, yeah. you're making decisions not in your with, with your fiduciary right. responsibility, but for political well, reasons, that's not why we hired Well, it's the so same way it, Disney. It comes back to the people pushing backs.
1: Well, same thing with Disney. I mean, I mean, you know, we had this image that they were a family enterprise, that they cared about children, that it was a really fun place. With And uh, we find out that it's really directly the opposite. They don't give a rat's ass about the kids. And, and they're doing things that are not for family and their sexual perversion and all that. It's the same story, buddy.
3: Well, it, it's the normalcy bias, right? Because I don't know about you. When I was a kid, we used to watch Disney. Disney was family friendly. Disney was, was uh, you, know, you could throw a Disney movie on and not worry about the kids. That changed. And the problem was they changed and people didn't notice it because they just said, it's Disney. It's Disney. Not realizing that Disney had changed. That's Right, it's that's, part of the, you know being open to hey, wait a second, maybe something has changed. Let me look at this new information yeah. and then decide what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. No, that's a very good point. Last minute or so here, buddy. And so, this, this, uh, well, let me ask you this here because I asked Dr. Swain, but was you surprised by this, Roland? Did you get blindsided by this or did you see it
3: coming? Um, I wasn't surprised, I was pleasantly, uh, you because. Know, I've seen the course this this court has gone. You look go back to Dobbs of last year, and we saw a court that was much more following the actual language of the Constitution. Not perfectly, they you know they, but they were much more willing to follow that than uh, you know precedent than stare decisis. So it wasn't a surprise. Oh my God, they did this, it, but it was a pleasant. Hey, they did this, and. Um, In reviewing the the actual court opinion, I was pretty happy with how, not just where they got to, but how they got there.
1: Well, and that's a good segue for me to tell folks, that's the reason you want to read uh, Paul's uh, articles. And listen to his show because he does exactly what he just said uh, he dives a little deeper into it to see what the cause and reaction is not just on the surface which most everybody looks at the surface of it but sometimes it's funny i'll read his stuff and sometimes the rulings he'll say well that seems good on the surface but let me tell you what really happened here and you know you get a whole real honest perspective of things you'll find that honest perspective in his latest piece which you can read. It's a it's a full-blown article for sure, but it's also a video in there. If you want to prefer to watch the video as well, that's available as well. Uh, it is Affirmative Action, The Pernicious Legacy of Racism. And uh, it is on the front page of americaroutloud.news. Uh, help us share that information out there with your, your friends and your family and send it to some of your adversaries as well, please. Love to get there to the other side of the aisle. Uh, Everybody's welcome in here, independence. uh, The only one that's not going to be comfortable here is a communist, a Marxist. They will not be comfortable at America. Everybody else, wow, they got a seat at the table, friends. Hey, thanks for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.